This is Gene Therapy for Hemophilia, Dream or Reality, a show on behalf of the Canadian Hemophilia Society. Here's your host, David Page. It's a real pleasure to introduce our guest, Dr. Terry Title, Professor of Medicine at the University of Toronto and Medical Director of the Hemophilia Treatment Program at St. Michael's Hospital in Toronto, Ontario. Canada is a huge country. Gene therapy, even after approvals for use, will only be administered in a few specialized Canadian hemophilia treatment centers. Today, Dr. Title will help us explore what this means in practical terms for patients who are spread out across the country and perhaps live very far from where gene therapy is administered. Welcome, Jerry. Thank you, David. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Now, if, if approved for use and if reimbursed by governments, which is a big question, where might hemophilia gene therapies be administered? First of all, David, hemophilia gene therapy must be available equally to everybody who qualifies for it and chooses it. But we anticipate that, as you're suggesting, there may be some limitations in sites where it can be administered. And the reason for this is that gene therapy products may require special types of handling and storage. Uh, There may be special biosafety containment requirements that some hemophilia treatment centers won't be able to provide. So it seems likely that we will have to set up a system in which there will be regional centers who are willing to take on this role. Now, these agreements are going to have to be structured carefully because these infusion sites are going to have to be properly resourced to do that and reimbursed in order to take on that role. What can be done so that patients who are not normally treated in one of those centers can have equitable access? Well, uh, remember that the infusion center is just providing a service. That is the the infusion itself, which takes an hour or two, and that's it. But it's an important principle that anybody who has expressed an interest in gene therapy has equal access to it. Let's say there's enough product for everyone who wants it, and there's enough capacity to administer the treatment. No problem. But let's say that's not the case. Let's say there is, so to speak, a lineup where we can't provide treatment in a reasonable time to everyone who requests gene therapy, then we're going to need to have some system in place to fairly adjudicate requests so that those who can benefit the most from early treatment are going to have earliest access. Now, I can't tell you exactly what that process is going to look like. Is it going to be provincial? Is it going to be regional? Is it going to be national? But presumably, it will involve all of the stakeholders, which means healthcare professionals, funders, and patients themselves. Are there models for this in other conditions where there were perhaps only three or four centers doing um, uh, the administration and people having to fly in or drive in from other parts of the country? Yes, certainly in the sense that there's many health interventions in Canada that have to be prioritized. So we're always reading about waiting lists for things like joint replacements and MRI exams. And every day in every emergency department, there's triaging of cases. So we're very aware of the fact that when there are scarce resources, they have to be made available equitably, but on the basis of need, not necessarily first come, first serve. Now, specifically, I think what you're getting at is there are some good comparisons. And one that we've been thinking about for hemophilia gene therapy involves another recent technology that some of you will have heard about, which is called CAR T-cell therapy. This is an exciting new treatment for some cancers. But the capacity for CAR-T is limited, so cancer specialists have had to develop systems for regionalizing and prioritizing access to it. Now, we're a little bit more fortunate in hemophilia since, unlike cancer therapy, 
gene therapy is not absolutely necessary to preserve life because all our patients, of course, have full access to existing therapies which are safe and effective. But it provides a good model for us. Would that include even help to get people to those centers? Would there be, you know, funding for, you know, airfares, for example, and for the hotel accommodations? I think there absolutely has to be, David, because if not, then by definition, it won't be equitable. Someone lives remotely and and doesn't have the capacity to get to the center. That should not be, that must not be a barrier to his access to this modality of care. All right. Let's say that, uh, you know, we do find a way to equitably deliver this care for people who need it across the country. But post-administration, there are a lot of challenges as well. Can you describe the follow-up that's required in practical terms, uh, you know, in the weeks and months following administration? Right. Well, there actually, that's a, an important point that you raise because there's a period of very intense follow-up uh, in the first several months after administering gene therapy. Uh, and this is really to determine whether there may be any toxicity to the liver, which is the site to which the gene therapy is delivered, which might impair the ability of the liver to produce the factor eight or factor nine that it's, that it's being asked to produce. And so we monitor liver function very intensively, which means blood draws in the earliest phases up to twice a week. And this may require the prescription of corticosteroid drugs to try and dampen the immune response, which can interfere with the response to factor eight or factor nine gene therapy. So up to the first several months, there's very intense follow-up. It begins to drop off over the next six months, but patients have to be aware that they are going to have to make themselves available and stay relatively close to home for several months after they receive gene therapy. This is, so this is twice a week, an hour or two, I suppose, for the, for the testing? for the blood draws? Well, you know, what we've done in the clinical trials is something that I'm uh, anticipating we'll be able to emulate with licensed product. Taking a blood draw is simple. As you know, it just takes a few moments, and there's no need to actually see the patient. He doesn't have to come into clinic for this. What we've done in the clinical trials is had the facility for visiting nurses or technologists to visit the home or workplace Take the blood, just takes a few seconds. And the blood tests that we do for liver function are very standard. They're very routine. So um, it's very easy to do this. So it shouldn't be a big imposition in terms of time, but the patient needs to be available to have the test done. And how close would the person need to be to a center which would analyze these tests? Uh, Can these tests be done in remote parts of Canada? They should be able to be done at any routine lab. What we're looking at in the earliest phase is not necessarily the factor eight or factor nine production. That usually starts after a couple of weeks after gene therapy. And of course, we do want to follow that. But we're looking really for, not for the effectiveness, that is the factor eight or nine production, we're looking for toxicity, that is liver damage. And these liver function tests are very routine. Any lab, any uh, community lab or any hospital lab can do these tests very easily. So uh, we don't anticipate that's going to be a problem. They don't need to be done centrally. They can be done at any local lab as long as the, uh, the uh, treater, the treating physician, gets those results promptly. The number of patients treated will be very small, uh, at least initially. Individual treatment centers may be treating only one patient and have little or no experience. How will these physicians be supported so that patients can receive optimal care? 
in, the, in that critical time following administration when these tests are being done and, and perhaps quick action is required. Well, you're right that we're talking about few patients, David. But keep in mind that even hemophilia treatment centers which have participated in the clinical trials of gene therapy have still treated relatively few patients. So we, by which I mean the care teams, we all have to learn from one another. We have to share our experiences and we have to support one another as we all learn together. And this may take the form of periodic web meetings, in-person meetings, and perhaps advisory panels that can be struck on short notice to discuss individual cases and provide advice. And the members of the professional bodies involved in hemophilia care, like the AHCDC, which is the doctor's organization, and CANAC, which is the nurse's organization, we're all well aware of this need, and we are in the process of discussing how we can set up these support structures. But I do want to say that I strongly believe in the principle that every hemophilia clinic director in Canada must be capable of supervising his or her patients who receive all available treatment products. We've done this before. We did it relatively recently, for example, with the introduction of a new product many of you are familiar with called emicizumab. We had to learn how to use it and how to uh, monitor it. So we can't outsource our responsibilities to our colleagues. Anyone who is directing a hemophilia treatment center must be competent to deliver all available hemophilia products to his or her patients. Gene therapy can have a large impact on mental health for a number of reasons. You may have seen that in some of your clinical trial patients. For example, anxiety over outcomes, side effects from steroids, if they're needed. What needs to be done to monitor mental health? And and is mental health evaluated prior to administration? I can tell you that we've certainly have not routinely referred our patients for clinical trials to experts uh, for mental health assessment. But I think the relationship that we have had over the years with our patients allows us to assess or make a judgment whether we think their mental health is such that they are good candidates for gene therapy. And as you've implied, David, steroids can be a problem because they themselves can induce anxiety in in anybody and and agitation. So that if we feel that someone is especially prone to this kind of complication or potential adverse effect, we need to be able to get our uh, mental health colleagues involved. We haven't done that in a formal way, but I think you've raised a point that does need perhaps more attention as the technology becomes more widely available. Before we end, Jerry, is there anything else you'd like our listeners to know about delivery of of gene therapy here in Canada? Well, I do want to reassure, David, I want to reassure everyone that uh, the fact that a treatment center has been involved in clinical trials or is located in a large center does not give them a leg up on delivering or offering gene therapy to their patients. I think it's an important principle, and we all adhere to this, that Everyone in the country must have equal access, and everyone who is interested deserves the right to learn about it and to be able to make a decision with full information. Thanks, Jerry. And hopefully we'll actually have to put into practice some of these uh, principles that you're putting forward in terms of care delivery as gene therapy becomes available. Absolutely. Thanks again. Thank you, David. For more information on gene therapy, we invite you to check out other podcasts in the series, Hemophilia Gene Therapy, Dream or reality, including one called What is Shared Decision-Making in Hemophilia Gene Therapy, 
in which Dr. Title explores the challenging decision-making process before administration of gene therapy. For more information, we invite you to check out more episodes in this series, Hemophilia Gene Therapy, Dream or Reality. This podcast series was made possible by an unrestricted educational grant from Pfizer Canada to the Canadian Hemophilia Society. 